that, that, as I was saying to you at the beginning, all of that goes into the uh, gradual, cautious reopening of schools and then gradually reopening the rest of the economy. As we vaccinate more people, it is not a coincidence that the 8th of March is the date that uh, we have focused on, because if you take the mid-April date where we will have given at least one dose to all over 50s, offered that one dose protection to all over 50s, um, if you go three weeks after the middle of April, that takes you to the first week of March. Now, that phase, phase one is 99% of mortality. So it's no coincidence that we are uh, opening schools after three weeks of uh, protecting the over 50s and that phase one. Now, lockdown has been hard on all of us and we can all misspeak from time to time. But this is Nadeem Zahawi, minister responsible for the vaccine rollout, trying to reassure the population that Johnson's plans to fully reopen schools on March the 8th are in fact safe and cautious. So you having a laugh? No, I think he's serious. And I think the fact that a government minister can't confidently articulate how the plan to fully reopen schools and suppress the virus and save lives is going to work is a bit of an indication that actually maybe it's not going to work. Now, it's not just Nadeem Zahawi's lack of confidence that is a feature in this. We know that Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, has been at odds with Boris Johnson over his Big Bang strategy. And a member of SAGE on the morning of the announcement made the point that a full reopening of schools on March the 8th is likely to push the R rate of the virus up above one again. It's clear that the virus is subsiding in a lot of parts of the country. In Lewisham, where I live and work, the case rate of the virus has now dropped to below uh, 100 out of 100,000. We're closer to 80 out of 100,000 and it is falling week on week. That's a very positive sign and with a clear plan, we could definitely have a wider reopening of schools on March the 8th but not on the basis that the government are suggesting. So in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about, firstly, what it is that can be done to ensure that schools can reopen safely, and secondly, as trade unionists, what we can do to ensure that that is carried out. Are you ready? Yeah. Starting point has to be the case rates in a particular area. We can use the school COVID map website launched by the National Education Union to look at the numbers of cases per 100,000 in a particular borough. Uh, or local authority area, or even in the immediate area around your workplace. And I think what we need to be demanding is that no school opens more widely uh, than it currently is if cases are 100 or above uh, out of 100,000. Uh, if they're between uh, 100 and uh, 50 out of 100,000, then I think a wider opening can happen, but it needs to be done on the basis of rotors. It would need to be done on the basis of maintaining uh, a maximum of 50% class sizes to ensure that there can be social distancing, but also so that children uh, who have spent a lot of time out of the classroom actually get quality time with their teachers and with their teaching assistants. Uh, and are able to be given that support. 
Keir Starmer, the alleged leader of the opposition, came out at the weekend in support, effectively, of the government's full reopening on March the 8th. Um, but he did raise something that a lot of us in the trade union movement have been raising for a long time, the need for Nightingale classrooms or additional space created so that schools can have overspill to increase social distancing and reduce class sizes. Now, this would obviously mean either employing more staff uh, to be able to reduce those class sizes or having a rotor system where maybe not all students are in at the same time on the same day or in the same part of the day. Um, and now, obviously, the big question there is, will Keir actually put his money where his mouth is and push it through in areas where Labour has control? And I don't think any of us are particularly confident that he will. But we should push for that particularly in areas where there are local Labour councils, we should be making demands on them to open up public buildings to schools so that uh, more space can be created, not just uh, space to cram students for exams, but space so that students can uh, do physical exercise, uh, creative subjects, um, and, uh, and have a genuine recovery curriculum. So that's a demand we can make uh, immediately. We also need to be arguing for a slow and steady phased return, not just on a national level so that we can see whether the reopening of schools is having an effect on the virus and that often doesn't work through for a couple of weeks, but also on a local level in our risk assessments as well so that um, systems in place within school can be up and running and fully functioning before they're scaled up and more students are added to the mix. Now, this worked in September in a lot of places uh, where a lot of the kind of snags or problems were able to be teased out and worked out of the system uh, before uh, everything came down on people's heads like a tonne of bricks. One safety measure that has become ubiquitous in society is, of course, the wearing of a facial covering. Uh, now, they're not always the most comfortable or convenient things to wear, but many, many students in schools are wearing facial coverings um, readily, it, not just in communal areas, but also in the classroom as well. And I think we need to be arguing that this needs to be uh, an expectation going forward in all situations in schools where it is appropriate and possible for students to wear them. They are stopping the spread of the virus and ultimately saving lives. And I think that's worth a slight inconvenience uh, for the next few months uh, as a result. Protections for those most at risk also need to really be prioritised by our union. We know that those in the highest risk category currently are shielding. We know many of those people have already received their first dose of the vaccine um, and they've got those shielding letters in place at least until the end of March. But with new variants of the virus and the potential for a surge in cases again, there needs to be a more comprehensive plan to deal with uh, the question of risk. So not just those in the most highly at risk category, but those who are also classed as clinically vulnerable, um, most of whom have, have continued to work in schools um, for the duration of the pandemic. We've argued in Lewisham that there needs to be a system where the virus hits a certain level. We've argued for 30 out of 100,000 that the local authority should start to move to rotors that would enable staff who are classed as clinically vulnerable, so at risk, uh, to work from home. And that includes our members uh, who are from black and Asian uh, backgrounds and are potentially more at risk from the virus. We also need to be arguing 
uh, very strongly for our education recovery plan and particularly the recovery curriculum element of things. Um, the push in the media, and we've seen it from uh, politicians in particular, for a catch-up curriculum completely misses the point about what has been happening for our young people over this past year. Um, they don't need to just catch up on the learning of facts and figures. They need to catch up on time with their friends. They need to catch up on physical activity that has gone uh, awry. And they need to be given the kind of emotional uh, support that is necessary and is often a vital part of schooling. Now, the government has kind of paid lip service to this and talked about having uh, more opportunities for young people. Uh, this is a government, by the way, who have mercilessly cut youth services uh, and cut provisions for our young people. And I think we need to be really on the ball because what we may see is a veneer of uh, care and compassion, but in reality, um, a massive press for uh, a catch-up curriculum that is completely tied to a high-stakes testing regime that the Tories are completely wedded to. Um, our Year 10 students, um, how are they going to be able to um, approach the GCSE curriculum next year uh, without uh, so much with, with so much time outside of school? Um, we're going to have to look at the reform of um, the assessment system going forward. That will be two years without high stakes tests uh, at the end. And guess what? Students are still standing. People are still going to universities. The whole world hasn't collapsed. And what it suggests, actually, is the idea of high stakes testing being the only way that you can assess students is a complete and utter nonsense. But this also needs to be done in a balanced way that protects staff and their workload. Because we all know that uh, the promises of a bit of additional catch, uh, cash for catch up will often mean staff being either um, uh, voluntarily or coerced into delivering uh, booster sessions, uh, intervention sessions and catch-up sessions uh, in their time on top of all of the other responsibilities uh, that we have uh, as educators. So let's make sure that we don't allow uh, the, the whole question uh, of children's catch-up to be used to push more workload on uh, people already. And actually our workload needs to be assessed and anything that isn't vital for the progress and the well-being of our young people needs to be taken away. That means performance management and other scrutiny and accountability measures just need to be dropped. So this pandemic has exposed all of the failings and the limitations of the current neoliberal education system and guess what, uh, it's time that it goes.
One argument we've heard, and I'm sure we will hear time and again if David Blunkett's article in the Daily Mail was anything to go by recently, is that the NEU doesn't really represent the opinions of most school workers. So don't just take my word from it. Here are a few other school workers telling me exactly what they think needs to be done to make sure that schools are safe. Here's Davu from North London with his take on things. For every pupil to be back in without any form of um, restrictions of class sizes um, or a phased reopening, it's just going to cause major issues. And what about face masks? Because I'm going to be wearing a face mask um, in indoor settings. And here's Tom, followed by Sarah, both from South London. I think the main thing that we could do to help keep schools safe um, when we do return uh, is mainly about class sizes, just so there's fewer people in the classroom um, to enable social distancing uh, to meaningfully uh, take place. Um, and that can be achieved through using rotors um, so that you've got only certain groups in on certain days. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm a subject leader at Sydenham School. I believe for schools to reopen safely, we need to ensure that when teachers are not in the classroom, they have access to a workspace which they can use consistently and in which there are social distancing measures in place and it is a safe place for them to work. And finally, here's Tracy Maguire, who holds the seat representing support staff on the NEU National Executive and, fingers crossed, uh, will be re-elected in this next election uh, because she has been fighting for the health and safety of all school workers, not just teachers. Uh, and she makes a very, very important point here about the recent announcement. Support staff have literally been thrown under the bus with this. They've got no protection, they've been they've got no vaccinations, and they've been put in close contact with children. It's a disgrace. Some of you might be sat there thinking the all-important question though, no, uh, this all sounds really good, but and I am going to deal with the whole question of what kind of action might be necessary to ensure that our schools are safe. But before I do, I am just going to take a quick break for you to listen to a really interesting and exciting meeting coming up organised by Socialist Alternative at the end of the week. Uh, here's Danny Crowter from Coventry NEU to give you a bit more detail. This year, remote learning has become a reality. But in the future, could education workers eventually be replaced by robot teachers? Join the Socialist Alternative Education Workers Meeting this Friday the 26th to find out. Uh, register for the meeting at bit.ly slash saedu25. That's saedu25. A Amy Fitzpatrick and Sam Moorcroft will be opening the discussion. Join us then. Bye. I'm not the only member of Socialist Alternative standing in this election. Louise Lewis in Kirklees, recently victimised and suspended by her employer, is standing for the National Executive up there. Um, and here is why she's standing. Hi, I'm Louise Lewis, currently Vice President for Kirklees NEU. I work in a secondary school for four days a week and I've been teaching for 13 years. I am standing for the National Executive as I believe in the work of the union and the need for members to be actively involved. If elected, I want to continue the work I'm currently working on in trying to develop a national strategy to defend victimised reps. I firmly believe in the need to fight for your reps. If you can't protect your reps, you can't protect your members. 
Members can't have a voice and work on negotiating better working conditions, health and safety, for example, within schools. I will work hard with and for members on the executive. Now we get to the all-important question, not just of what we want and what we demand, but how we're going to get it. Now, we saw in January... Um, workers up and down the country, thousands upon thousands, exercising their individual right to use Section 44 of the Employment Rights Act 1996 to refuse to enter unsafe workplaces. And that had the effect of ensuring that schools are included in the most recent lockdown. Um, with March the 8th fast approaching, the question of uh, how we ensure that we keep our schools safe is going to be posed again and what kind of methods and means are at our disposal. Um, Section 44 is always a contested area and requires some legal backing as well because it's often used retrospectively uh, to avoid detriment if the employer decides to dock your pay or take disciplinary action against you. Um, Section 44 is enshrined in law. Any worker that feels that they are in an unsafe situation can use it as backing. Uh, but of course, it is, uh, it is a more risky method in many ways. Um, so I think as a union, what we need to be saying to our members is absolutely, if you think that your workplace is not safe, we will back you to the hilt to ensure that you are not put in a situation that places you or others in danger. Um, Section 44 shouldn't be pushed off the table until we have a clearer idea of the situation closer to March the 8th. Um, but also it shouldn't be taken off the table just because of threats uh, or because of the meddling of government. We need to ensure that members are armed with the arguments behind it and that they can make an informed decision about whether on the 8th of March uh, that is going to be safe or not. We've already heard in my area of heads uh, contacting uh, their staff saying that if they do not feel safe to come in on March the 8th, then uh, they can take unpaid leave. That is the completely the wrong way round for how this needs to be. Uh, our employers under the uh, Health and Safety Act 1974 have a responsibility to make sure that our workplaces are safe. Uh, if they can't guarantee that, then there shouldn't be a wider opening. And we need to be really clear on that, clear on that in relation to the risk assessments and clear on that in terms of the uh, procedures for March the 8th. But I also think that we need to be talking about balloting for industrial action. And we've heard it whenever it's been raised. We don't have the time. It's two weeks away. That's not enough time to ballot. That's, of course, correct. I'm not going to argue with anyone. Balloting takes a long period of time, a number of weeks. But we've been having this argument pretty much for an entire year now with people constantly telling us at different junctures that there is no time. When are people going to realise uh, that this isn't going away immediately, that we need to win an agreement, uh, whether that's on a local basis or, a, or on a national basis, that actually puts into place protections that 
um, that cover us uh, going forward. In Lewisham, we've been campaigning around the Lewisham COVID action plan that attempts to do that, that puts in place, uh, that, that, that argues for um, to be put in place the protection of the most at risk, a plan B for when the virus is surging and over 30 out of 100,000 cases, and the preservation of bubbles because we don't want the lateral flow test to be used uh, to stop students or staff isolating. When the NEU executive meets for their emergency session to respond to the government's announcement, um, in the absence of national industrial action, I hope they will at least give branches and districts of the union the option of launching industrial action ballots to win agreements in their local areas and continue to back local school groups who also feel that they're in a position to be able to do that. My name is Max Toynbee. I'm a secondary teacher and NEU co-rep in Lambeth. I'm supporting James Kerr for the NEC elections. He's an active workplace rep who's been organising in his school to keep it safe during COVID. Before that, he initiated the Lewisham Climate Emergency Assembly, getting the UCU involved as well. Uh, and he's also been involved in anti-academy campaigns as well as other things. If you want a fighting trade unionist who will not only represent our voices, but also mobilise members members to fight for our interests, then you should vote for James Kerr too. I want to hear from you as well though. Uh, I want to hear what people think of what I've raised in today's podcast, whether there are any ideas that you think I might have missed out, uh, or if there are any disagreements. You can get in contact with me via an email at jameskerr4, that's the number four, neu at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook at uh, James Kerr for NEU. If you search on Facebook, um, you will be able to see my Facebook page. Um, I really look forward to working with people to ensure that we make our schools safe. We all want to be back in the classroom. We all want to be back at working with young people. Sitting on Microsoft Teams or Zoom is certainly not what any of us signed up to, but we need to ensure that it is done safely. Um, in next week's uh, episode of my podcast, I'm going to be talking about workloads and why we need a new national contract. I hope you can tune in and listen to that one as well. Uh, take care, have a fantastic week, uh, and I will speak to you again very soon.